everybody, and welcome back to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. This is our 10th show, and we're very excited to be bringing it to you, and we're very excited that you guys have helped make the Champions Cast a smashing success. My name is Andy Spateri, and as always, I'm joined by Taylor Wells, the Zelda Guru. How's it going, guys? Unfortunately, we couldn't renew Gooey's contract, so he can't appear on the show today, but hopefully in the future we'll get, get him back. I only had enough money for uh, for one guest appearance, and uh, he's playing hardball in negotiations. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe one day, yeah. So we've got a good show for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be focusing on the portable Nintendo experience. So we're going to be counting down our top fifteen Game Boy Advance games. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit in depth about the Legend of Zelda: The Minish Cap. Uh, but before we get there, we are going to focus on the few remaining Wii U games that we would like to see ported over to the Nintendo Switch. Um, we're on the heels of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which just came out for the Switch on uh, Friday. And we've got, of course, the upcoming Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition coming out a little bit later this month. So the question that we're asking ourselves is, A, what's left back on the Wii U? And B, what games would we like to see come over to the Switch? And just for a little bit of reference, I'm going to pull up the uh, all of the Wii U games that have already been ported. And it is a staggering number. So we have Super Mario Maker, that was ported to 3DS. We have Yoshi's Woolly World, which was ported to 3DS. And I think they added, what's the dog, like Poochie? I think so. Poochie the dog, like the Simpsons character or something like that? It would be a really interesting Nintendo reference to that. Super Smash Bros. was, of course, released on both the Wii U and 3DS. Uh, So Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze just came out on the Switch. Pokémon Tournament came out on the Switch. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Bayonetta 2 Captain Toad Treasure Trackers is upcoming on the Switch. And, of course, Hyrule Warriors. So that is a grand total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 Wii U titles that have found life on the Nintendo Switch or 3DS. Uh, which, <laughs> whoa. It's quite a bit. Like, when you think about it, it it's funny, because we were just talking about the game, like, the Game Boy Advance and how we're going to list our, our favorite titles. The Game Boy Advance had over 1,400 games released for it, which is almost double what the Wii U had. So when trying to figure out kind of what, what games to port that haven't either already been ported or really good and or haven't, like, had a sequel, it kind of becomes really difficult. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost at the point now where any game worth its salt on uh, the Wii U has already been ported. Splatoon didn't get ported per se, but it did get a sequel almost immediately on the Switch, which was... I mean, let's be honest, it's more or less Splatoon 1.5 versus, like, a fully fleshed out sequel. I think that the uh, the Octo the Octo expansion is going to flesh it out a bit more, but, I, I mean, yeah, like, other than that, almost every single big game has, has been ported. But the keyword there is almost, so we are going to go off and list the Wii U games that we are dreaming and hoping are going to find new life on the Nintendo Switch. So, Taylor, why don't you lead us away? Sure. Um, I would really like to see uh, Fatal Frame be ported or at least get like a sequel on on the Switch because that game series has always kind of been a, a hidden favorite of mine. A, shall we say, guilty pleasure. It's a Japanese horror game that, where you usually play as a character uh, in some of the games it's been male but usually it's a female and you're kind of like a photographer-esque character who gets a magical camera in a sense that allows you to take photographs of like spirits and specters and and undead and kind of thing and it allows you to protect yourself against them so like taking photos of them and stuff will like hurt them or will banish them kind of thing and you have to make your way through the game discovering secrets about what the story is and you know usually getting yourself out of a really sticky situation uh, by using this camera and avoiding all these things trying to kill you or sacrifice you, yada, yada, yada. So Fatal Frame had a so release... it's like the dark version of Pokemon Snap. 
Pretty much. And so, like, the Wii U got a, a Fatal Frame game that was... I liked it. However, there were some unnecessary bits at the end. Um, and I just think it would have worked better as a Switch game. Like, especially because of the Joy-Con aspect and how I feel the Switch actually handles, like, gyroscope controls a little bit better than the Wii U ever did. So... I think they could do some interesting things with like camera work or uh, like aiming kind of kind of sort of deal. And Nintendo's always great at creating puzzles and different um, things you have to figure out. So I, I think it would make a great port and and sequel series on on the Switch. I agree with that. Um, so I'm gonna throw one out there: Xenoblade Chronicles X. Now, I feel like it's probably likely that this game will eventually find a home on uh, on the Switch. Um, personally, it's my favorite of the three Xenoblade games, um, and I, I think that they're all good in their own way, but this one uh, this one was just really great. It, um, it, it kind of really encompassed the uh, open world aspect in a, in a sense that the other games haven't really. The story was very minimalist compared to especially the recently released Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, it was just like, it's just a really cool game. It's uh, It's got a different feel than a lot of other Nintendo games. So um, I'm hoping that this game sees life on uh, on the Switch. Um, we just got Xenoblade Chronicles 2, so I think that it probably won't happen for a while. Uh, I, could, I could maybe see it being a game that's launched as part of their online service, where it's maybe, you know, available digitally only. I don't know if it would get uh, a physical re-release, but um, I, I really hope that uh, you know more people would get the opportunity to play it because, at, like, I mean, especially on the Wii U, it was just buried. I think it sold around eight hundred thousand copies or something like that. So, re- like, really, nobody got to you know see what a what an incredible world that was built and what an incredible just journey is is to be had on the uh, on the the game when you play it it's it was one of those games where i couldn't believe how many hours i'd sunk into it when i looked at my final tally so for me how um, different would you say xenoblade chronicles or sorry xenoblade x is to chronicles to chronicles or to chronicles 2 yeah both either or um it's more similar to xenoblade chronicles 1 in terms of battle mechanics um and it's it's not really like either of them in terms of storytelling. This is a very it's a very minimalist um, chapter based storytelling approach. It actually, it, it reminds me of Metal Gear Solid Five in the way that that game told stories. Where like you know you you know you'd end your chapter, but then you could go on to a different mission. Um, but of course, you could do all your side ops and stuff like that. And this game is very much the same. There's uh, you know, you can embark on your different quests and, and whatever and stuff like that. But uh, there's a, just a absolute plethora of things to do in this game. So Xenoblade Chronicles 2 changed the battle system for the better, I think. Um, I felt like I had mastered the battle system in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, whereas I never quite got that feeling in, in X, which, um, you know, would be the one knock that I have against it. But uh, other than that, uh, I, I think anyone who enjoyed... You know, Xenoblade Chronicles Two should would definitely enjoy this game. Interesting. So next up, I would say this the game kind of already falls into the category that we didn't want to touch, but I feel like Super Mario Maker needs to also be on the Switch, be, or in some form. It doesn't necessarily have to be Super Mario Maker per se. Like, it could be maybe Zelda Maker, or Metroid Maker, or Donkey Kong Maker, you know, you you name it. Nintendo has a plethora of... Nintendo Maker. Right, Nintendo Maker. You combine everything into one. (laughs) You could have those crossovers you never wanted. And (laughs) I think that the Switch, because of its technical improvements over, say, the 3DS, would make a better port than than the 3DS version. Now, granted, I haven't played the 3DS version, so I'm not going to knock it uh, for something that I don't know about. But I haven't either. It, it had a weird online mechanic, though. Like, you couldn't play online. You could only play locally or something like that. That seems really weird, especially with games like it, Triforce it was, Heroes. It was weird, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. I I, I just think uh, the Switch could better take better make use of the mechanics of the Super Mario Maker genre, so to speak. Uh, I think that that game will get like the Splatoon treatment, where and get a second version or Super Mario Maker. Yeah, but they'll like I I think that you'll definitely see another Super Mario Maker on the Switch. I think it's a matter of you know when rather than if. That um, would be super nice. I I won't complain. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. I think Super Mario Maker was like the one game, or what, like one of the one games I can think of that actually took advantage of the Wii U's, um, you know, unique hardware. And so I, I think that uh, the potential for that, though, to, you know, to be on the Switch, you could design it there and then like actually play it on your TV. I think that'd be cool. And I, I think it's a matter of, like I said, when. Yeah. So I would say Pikmin 3 is a game that I really want to come over to the Switch for the simple fact that I never played Pikmin 3 and I really enjoyed Pikmin 1 and I enjoyed Pikmin 2 and you know by the time that I got a Wii U because I was one of those guys that I was like well I want to wait for something to actually play on this console because for the first year there I feel like there was hardly anything that really piqued my interest but once I was done with that waiting time I couldn't find Pikmin anywhere, and I wouldn't say I, I love Pikmin enough to go out and, you know, search for it online and, and order it, you know, maybe pay a little bit extra for it to come, but I do like Pikmin, and I was kind of bummed out that I never got to play it, especially because it was supposed to be quite good, so I hope that that game is uh, is giving you life on the Switch. Yeah, it was definitely a great, great title for the Wii U, and it would be really fun to see it on the Switch to add that portability that you know the Wii U doesn't have so I I mean I would love to be able to play Pikmin anywhere at any time it's just it's a weird series to me because like you know they seem to have went all in with it on GameCube they made the first Pikmin which was a great success and then a follow-up sequel but then like they forgot about it for 10 years uh they they had it skip over the Wii they're one of their most successful consoles ever where you would think that a Pikmin game would show up and then they dumped it on the Wii U and almost kind of like set it up to fail. Yeah, so it's, it, Pikmin is a strange one to me. It's an it's an odd decision. They, yeah, well, and the game that they just released uh, on the 3DS isn't like a Pikmin game per se. It has the Pikmin name on it, but it's not that same style of gameplay. So it's it's a strange one to me. And um, it's also it's, interesting to think about like all these games that are getting ported, say from the Wii U to the 3DS. So we we've got uh, Super Smash, Yoshi's Woolly World, uh, Super Mario Maker. And you think about it in terms of, well, the reason they might be porting these over is for the portability of it. So you want to play these games at any time on the go. But the Switch is kind of now overtaking the 3DS almost in its ability to be played anywhere, go anywhere with it. And also its ability to be able to play locally with people without even needing another Switch. So I think it'll be fun interesting and a kind of overall observation to see how how the 3ds continues to exist in the switch's world especially since apparently nintendo seems to be not uh letting go of the 3ds anytime yeah, they, soon yeah they said it was uh, gonna continue to pump out hardware software until what like 2020 2020 2019 i think so I, I, it was either 2019 or 2020, one of the two. But, like, so for for the immediate future anyways. But, you know, I, like, like I'm fine with that because it's, it's nice to not have to spend 80 bucks on a, on a brand-new Switch game to get brand-new Nintendo IP, you know? Absolutely. But, yeah. Uh, last game I want to touch on is... This, this is tough because, like, I don't... I don't know if I'd say I really want to see a port of this game, but I want to talk about Star Fox Zero. Mm. Um... When you talk about games that were sent out to die on the Wii U, I think of Star Fox, man, because like this poor game, it, it it came out towards the tail end of uh, of the Wii U's life when you know most of the eyes were already on the NX and everybody was wondering what the NX was and what it was going to be, and it was supposed to come out in November and then it got delayed and it came out in like 
January or something like that. So it's just like it was given the death slot at the death time of of the Wii U's console life, and Nintendo had said something to the effect of uh, when they were asked if they were going to continue to make Star Fox games, like we'll see how this one does. So of course this da- this game didn't sell very well. It, it didn't review very well either. Granted, like it was, it, it didn't seem like it was a good game. It had a lot of control issues. Again, I I never played it, so. I would, you know, do I want Star Fox Zero ported necessarily to the Switch? I guess I'd, I'd take it just for a chance to see Star Fox succeed a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I, I, the biggest takeaway that I can, that I'm throwing away from this is like, I think that they should give Star Fox another chance on a console that's not, you know, <laughs> it's not like 80% dead. Yeah. I think, like, Star Fox has always been a core franchise for Nintendo just like Mario and Zelda or Metroid and it's it was so weird because they hyped it up so much and as you said they decided to release it you know during the death of their last console and it seems I don't know whether they were intentionally trying to pull away from it or whether they genuinely thought it it would succeed and maybe save the the Wii U's lifespan at least for a few more months while the NX was in development or the Switch as it were. And like I don't know. I I really enjoy the Star Fox series and I don't want to see it die, but if we keep getting games like Star Fox 0 for the Wii U, maybe it should. I don't know. I, I think the problem with Star Fox is, uh, you know, you had this you had this one great game in Star Fox 64. Because let's be honest, Star Fox 1 and Star Fox 2 on the SNES, they're not, they're not great games. They're okay <laughs> for what they are. Yeah. But, like, so you have this one great game on the Nintendo 64, and every game, with the exception of maybe Star Fox Command on the DS, has tried to emulate that game and each hasn't really lived up to it so i think that they just need to they need to like ocarina of time star fox or metroid prime it and just like bring it into bring it into the new millennium or whatever right like just to do something fresh with it and make it uh you know i don't don't know what the answer is maybe maybe make it like a free roaming instead of on rails uh i don't know okay so here's an odd question should do something Here's an odd question, but it kind of leads into what you're saying. If you if you took Star Fox and you tr- and you basically tried to combine it, say, with gameplay from I don't know if you ever played the series, but the Star Wars Rogue Squadron games. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of actually. Yeah. Was saying, um... Like, what if they combine kind of elements from both series? Do you think that would modernize it in a way that would be not only accessible to Nintendo's audience, but also like succeed as a as a great title. Um, you know, I I don't know. I I think that the key behind anything is like Nintendo has to believe in it. So like it has to it has to be willing to get behind the Star Fox franchise in order to make the Star Fox franchise succeed. And like I you know I I don't know when they delayed it from the holiday spot into January that just seemed to me that they didn't really have faith that that was going to be their their big ticket item or yeah I I don't know um I I think that they need to do something with it um you know eh, maybe release maybe release Star Fox Adventures 2 I don't know <laughs> which I would be totally I'd be totally down for Yeah that'd be an interesting release for sure. Star Fox Adventures is one of the best non-Zelda games ever made. Yeah. You can check out my editorial about Star Fox Adventures on ZeldaDungeon.net. Shoutouts to uh, ZeldaDungeon.net. We will we will get to covering some Zelda here eventually, but we're going to make you work for it. Before we talk about the Game Boy Advance releases in the Legend of Zelda series, we are going to break down our top 15 games of the Game Boy Advance. And we're going to take turns, so we'll try and keep it a little bit brief. But we did have some caveats and some rules to this list, so I want to go over them with you. Now, my one... It's, it's actually staggering how many 
if you were to Google the best Game Boy Advance games, it's staggering to see how many of those games are ports of Super Nintendo games. It's yeah. a lot. Wasn't a Link to the Past listed as, like, the number one on one of those lists? On lots of them, yeah. Yeah. So we disqualified A Link to the Past from our list. We disqualified all of the Mario Advance games. We disqualified the Donkey Kong series. We disqualified... What else was... uh, What else was... Whatever. Anything that was a port we disqualified so if it didn't originate on the game boy advance it does it does not count towards our list now there are some exceptions where games that were remastered and remade so fully and completely whereas i consider them new games a taylor consider them new games those games are on this list but if it's just a straight up port of like super mario world or link to the past they didn't make the cut now the legend of zelda four swords which was included that did that that's eligible but so that's caveat number one that we want everyone to just be aware of i don't think we have a caveat number two so let's just get started shall we yeah i'm well on the way to being i i don't know i don't know what i said number one for i i feel like there's something else and i mean you know there's there's sometimes a clause to sentences and then other times you kind of just leave off on the thought and just say screw it now, halfway through this list, I'm going to remember what caveat number two was. You mark my words. And I will be, be like, oh, yeah. Than... <laughs> and then we'll have to adjust <laughs> our lists on the fly, you know? All right. So let's do this thing. So we're going to... Now, a lot of our games are probably going to be the same, but in different orders. So we're just going to give you our unique takes on them as to avoid repetition. But uh, do you want to get started or do you want me to get started? I can go first. Why don't... Why don't... You know what? I'm going to lead off, actually, because I want to end with you. All right. So number 15 on Andy's list of the greatest Game Boy Advance games of all time is Super Monkey Ball. Hmm, okay. Super Monkey Ball was one of the first ever GameCube games that I played. And for anyone that hasn't played it, you're missing out. It's like you're literally a monkey and you're in a ball and you're like... You're on uh, some floating Tetris platforms, and you're you're basically your goal is to get from point A to point B. But there's a bunch of obstacles, and like it's super fun and it's super charming and ridiculous. And they made a Game Boy Advance port of it, and it was just as fun. It's one of those games that I rented and played for a weekend. I had I had a blast with it, and I brought it back. And I you know I, I would I buy it? I don't think so. But did I have fun with it when I rented it when I was twelve? Absolutely. That's that's oh. an interesting pick. I've unfortunately never played it, so I might have to pick it up. Caveat number two. <laughs> Caveat number two. It's not at the middle. We were young. We were young when the Game Boy Advance came out. That's caveat number two. So, a lot of these games, um, we've either played, you know, past the point, like later in life, or like a lot of the games that I played on the Game Boy Advance initially were not were not very good games in retrospect, like Spider-Man, Mysterio's Menace, or something like that. So we don't want our readers to judge us too harshly if we're missing a bunch of uh, classic Game Boy Advance games. Re- Damn it, I said readers, listeners. We don't want our listeners to judge us too harshly. So we'll fix you, that in post. You know, if you're, oh whatever. So if you're if you're just like, oh man, like why isn't he? Why isn't these guys played this? Did they even play any Game Boy Advance games? Like we didn't. A lot of the times we didn't play a lot of. Uh, the games that came out so i myself uh am missing a bunch of great game boy advance games and i know that so just and wanted to throw that out there for everyone that's caveat number two honestly all top lists are always subjective anyway so this is just our takes your list is just as valid as ours and we're gonna keep right on moving so my number 15 in the top 15 game boy advance games for taylor is boktai 2 solar void Django. if you like you know, that movie. But uh, Boktai 2, Solar Boy Django, was released, um, I think, a year after the first one. And it had a really interesting mechanic in where it came with a... Uh, it's a little hard to describe. Yeah, but some kind of sensor, like a gyro. Yeah, a gyro. So, it's a solar sensor. So like, <laughs> you turn your Game Boy Advance into a, a solar power generator kind of thing. And you had that, that like charged your gun, right? 
it charged your gun, and it also you could convert the energy that you basically built up into cash to buy items and and equipment and kind of things that uh, you used to progress. And it was mostly just like it was a nice puzzle game with bosses at the end, and it was a lot of fun to just you know sit around and play. You charge. It, it's kind of like you know uh, mobile games nowadays where you have to recharge your energy over time by just waiting. It's kind of kind of similar thing. Uh, although you could fortunately play the game while you're while you're charging, so it wasn't super dependent on oh you can only do it or you can only play this game for like ten minutes before you're you know out of out of juice. So that w- it's funny you said that game because that was uh, I was going between Monkey Ball and Bakai for my for my last entry on my All list. Right. Well, we All got right. them both on there so, then. Number fourteen, and it also it almost makes me sick to say this. But Sonic Advance. Mm-hmm. Now I don't really like Sonic, and I'm not a Sega fan. But I have to admit, I had a lot of fun with Sonic Advance. It was it was one of those games that again I just rented and uh, I beat it in a weekend. And uh, you know, for for what they are, like uh, you know, Sonic games, they are what they are. They're not they're not really my thing. But for what this one was, it was fun, and it was good enough to me to be on my top fifteen. It's a good pick, honestly. I've I've been a fan of Sonic for uh, a while now, since the the Sega Game Gear is where I played most of my Sonic Sonic games, and then uh, the Wii came out, and there were a few Sonic games that came out for that that kind of destroyed my. Oh, they're just stinkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, mm, there the the recent history of Sonic has been rocky but they've been coming out with some some decent games like sonic heroes recently i I feel dirty putting a sonic game on my top 15 list the only way that i could feel dirtier is if i put a kirby game on there Ooh, i'm gonna tell the readers right now did not happen so damn it i said readers again (laughs) fun fact is that i was debating whether i was gonna put a kirby game on here uh, also, spoiler alert, I also did not put a Kirby game on here. But, if my roommate were here, he probably would have had every single Kirby game on, on his list. He's a huge Kirby fan. Alright, so... I forget, who's next? Awesome. So, I'm gonna say, number 14 for me is Yu-Gi-Oh! GX Duel Academy. Now, hate me all you want. I understand. I was a huge fan of uh, cartoon and anime shows like when I was a kid, and still to this day. And Yu-Gi-Oh! was interesting to me because it was kind of like Pokemon, and where you had a, you know, a game you could play on your own, and then there were elements like the trading card game that that came out along with it that you could play with a whole bunch of your friends and stuff. And so it got me. The show originally got me into the card game, and I love the card game, and it's why I never actually picked up Magic for the longest time because I was so in, into Yu-Gi-Oh. But uh, the Dual Academy game was actually really interesting because it was a fun game that incorporated all like the real life rules and stuff of the game, which differ vastly from the show, and it integrated it with the story of the show, and I I just really liked it. Uh, despite GX actually being probably my least favorite series in Yu-Gi-Oh, but it, it was fun, and so it made my top fourteen or my top fifteen. There you go. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but I am gonna segue because I heard the word cards in there, and I'm gonna segue to my number thirteen pick, which is Kingdom Hearts: Chain of Memories. Mm. Now, this game would have probably ranked much higher if not for the card-based battle system. Um, I've never met a game that uses cards as like a primary focus of play that I've really liked. So it, it, it's the battle system kind of didn't do it for me, but the story was really cool. And actually it was like the story was integral to understanding what the hell was going on in Kingdom Hearts 2 versus Kingdom Hearts 1. So um, I believe that this game was actually remade for uh, for PlayStation or something like that. PS3 is down the line, but uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, Chain of Memories is a solid title, very solid story. Um, I really dug the uh, the Organization 13, so for that, it is number 13. I'm not going to lie, I totally forgot that that one was released on the Game Boy Advance. I Most of the Kingdom Hearts titles that I played on the portables were all on the DS, so 
Mm-hmm. Or yeah, the or the PSP. Actually, if anybody remembers that console. <laughs> so with my thirteenth pick, now we all love Hyrule Warriors, right? Well. The makers of the Hyrule Warriors series are very famous for doing a whole bunch of different uh, Warriors-type games. So this is Koei Tecmo. And my absolute favorite, and the one I got into with the very first one, which was so different from all the rest, was the original Dynasty Warriors. And on the Game Boy Advance, they released Dynasty Warriors Advance, which is actually pretty different from the the games that you know came before it on on the PS2 and stuff it kind of took a a turn-based approach and where you had kind of like a almost a board game esque status where you chose like your your general and then you progressed along the board and you had fights and stuff like that so it was it was an interesting take on a series that i already loved and while it wasn't the greatest game i've ever played it was fun enough, and it was with a series that I already had so much love for that it it had to make my list. So, fair enough, fair enough. I'm gonna go to number twelve, and I think that this is gonna be the first game that we both have on our list somewhere. Number twelve for me, F Zero Maximum Velocity. Mm, okay. Um, it's it, you know it's just it's classic F Zero, but just portable. It's you know. You play it, and the, the feeling I get when I play an F-Zero game is that I am just flying. I'm going so fast. Um, and that, that maximum velocity really captured that, I think, to me. Um, when I Typically, when I think of, of fun you know, racing games, I don't... I think most people would have probably had Mario Kart in this position, but I just, like, I love... F-Zero and all like the silliness and the silly characters and the Blood Falcon versus Captain Falcon and just uh, the sense of adrenaline that you get when you're racing which I, you just don't get that in a lot of other different racing games so uh, Maximum Velocity for me is uh, probably the definitive racer on the Game Boy Advance. Nice. It's a good pick. While I don't have that particular one on my list, I do have an F-Zero game on my list. But we're not getting there yet! So, next up on my list, Dragon Ball Z Supersonic Warriors. Now, if you didn't already know, based off of a prior episode, I am a big fan of Dragon Ball. It's had a pretty pretty growth-encouraging effect on my life. And this is no different. I've, I've played a lot of the Dragon Ball games, and to be able to play a portable version of a fighting game was always nice to me. Like, back on the Game Gear, I used to play Mortal Kombat on that one. So, being able to play Dragon Ball Z, you know, on the go, super, super solid hit for me. And it plays pretty much like most, uh, most Dragon Ball games. And if you're a huge fan of Arc System Works, which just came out with the Dragon Ball Fighters game on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and I think soon to be on the Switch, too, if it, I think it, they said something about bringing it there if it did well enough. But anyway, uh, it plays kind of sort of similar to that, like a like an early iteration, and it's just it's just a fun game. Shoot fireballs at people, beat them beat them up with martial arts, insane transformations. Why not? Cool. Yeah. So um, number eleven for me, I would describe in that that's perfect. It's just a fun game. And that's Mega Man Zero. Um, it's a fun game. It's just like it's classic Mega Man, but you get you get to play as Zero, and you get all these like just awesome like power ups, like his his sword and his oh, like basically everything Zero does. He just looks like such a badass. And when I was when I was just a young lad, I was like, this guy is the coolest. Like, at that time, I was just like, Mega Man sucks. Like he's he's so lame. You know, I'm. Yeah, all he can do is shoot people with his gun or whatever. And like Zero, he's he's like a samurai. Like this guy is awesome. His hair is oh, he's so cool. And so, the game is definitely aided by that. But it's also just an extremely tight platformer, like tight action game. All the level design is awesome. So I had very fond memories of playing this when I was a kid. Yeah, it's not a bad pick. I I unfortunately have not played a majority of the Mega Man games. Like I played the first two. 
way, way back in the day. Um, but then the, the first, most... The first two are probably the best, to be fair. Yeah, I... I don't know, because I feel like because I haven't played a majority of the series, I can't really make that statement. But they they were fun games, the original two, and then I think the most recent one I played was the first Mega Man X game, and I never beat it. So, But that game was a ton of fun. So I might have to pick up this, uh, this Mega Man game for Game Boy Advance. Uh, my next one, number 11 on my list, a lot of people will be familiar with this series and this title probably, is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Blue Rescue Team. So I never played the Red Rescue Team, but I'm pretty sure it functions like every Pokemon game and where the differences are really just in the Pokemon you can acquire. And it was super, super interesting to me because it was so different from other Pokemon games that I had played. And it kind of actually... It almost felt like a Zelda game in a sense. So it, it was just, it was so enamoring to me. I, I was fascinated by it. And I I have nothing but good memories of it. It helped me through a dark time, along with another game on this list that we'll get to eventually. And it, it was just, it was pure fun, and it was pure fascination. That's the best way I can surmise that. Cool, cool. I will tell you a game that I did not have fun with when I got it. And it took me a long time to appreciate this game. And number 10 for me is Advance Wars. Mm. When I got this game, I was about, I don't know, 13. And I was playing it. And I was like, what the hell? This game sucks. It's I'm dying every every turn. I, I suck at it. I'm still on the first level. I'm not having any fun at all. And so I returned it. And just on a whim, a few like a few years back, picked up Advance Wars again. And, uh, you know time and perspective and added ability to my to my game playing really just showed how cool this game was it's not it's not my favorite um tactical rpg of all time but it is just a very well done very kind of quirky nintendo game and the main character's name is andy so props to that <laughs> so advance wars is number 10 for me easy pick easy pick i like it so for me number 10 is going to be another game on the Pokemon franchise list, and that's going to be Pokemon Emerald, which is the third game in that generation. I think that's Gen 3, right? And, yeah, and I, like, I remember going to the store with my mom, and she had just got me the Game Boy Advance SP at the time, and... I was looking through all the, all the games, I was like, hmm, I, I don't know what I want to get, so let me go with a safe one. And I bought uh, Minish Cap, and I bought uh, Pokemon Emerald. And Emerald grabbed me from the start because it had this really cool green Chinese-like dragon on it. And I was like, that's for yeah. me right there. That's my legendary. And it is still, to this day, my favorite legendary of all time. So Pokemon Emerald, number... Oh, Rayquaza's awesome. Yeah. So that's that's so number on there. number nine for me, Pokemon Emerald. All um, right. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The the green it was just like the it captivates when you see that cartridge. So I actually I never played Pokemon Emerald until um, until a few years after the fact. Um, I had played I had played I think I'd gotten back into it with uh, Pokemon White and Black on the DS. Mm, okay. So I was just like, well, I, I missed Gen three and I missed Gen two because I don't really play and I missed Gen four. So. I was at a Comic Con in Calgary, and I just saw this amazing-looking green cartridge, and picked it up, and it was Emerald, and uh, you know, just fell in love with uh, the Gen Three of Pokemon. Um, there were some good you know, ones in that, in that generation. Yeah, Skeptile is probably my one of my favorite starting Pokemon's. Uh, Rayquaza is one of my favorite legendaries. Emerald just has like a like a cool story to it, and most of those side games don't really. The, the, you know, it's just kind of they're kind of just whatever like a lot of times they're just pumped out so that you know you buy an extra pokemon game but um no i, I really liked um emerald it's it's i would say easily the best like extra game in the series in terms of like you know crystal or yellow or whatever i think emerald stands above them all so yeah i feel uh, i would agree i feel like generation three also just had some of the best like overall mechanics and a lot of the side stuff was was really fun and there was so much to do for a game that was 
you know, released what back in 2004, 2005-ish. And I, I like my my second favorite extra game, I guess would be probably Pokémon Crystal, but I I think that's just more to do with the fact that Gen 2 and Gen 3 for me were probably some of the best generations of Pokémon. See, I Gen 2 is actually like one of the worst, I think, for me. I, I don't like any of the starters, really, and I I didn't love a lot of the extra Pokemon. But uh, Gen 3, like, it, it that game, that brought game in Gen back. 5 just really, yeah, they really brought me back into the series. Fair enough, fair enough. So that's number, that's number 9 for me. Well, number 9 for me would be, and <laughs> if nobody has ever heard of this, I will not blame them, but number 9 for me was Hikaru no Go 2. So this game, <laughs> this, yeah, it's it's starting to become a trend. I can see it's uh, based off of kind of like a slice of life slash fantasy anime called Hikaru no Go, which is about this kid who basically he's kind of sort of possessed by an ancient samurai spirit who used to play, who is a professional Go player for like the emperor. And he um, he was really, really good, and, like, nobody could beat him. So this guy eventually convinces the kid to start picking up the Japanese board game of Go, which is, the best way to describe it would be kind of be like, it's sort of like Othello and Backgammon, kind of, sort of. And it's just, it's it's a really neat series, and it was really good because at the time, I had no idea how to play go and it's a fairly complicated game but the 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 video game made it fairly intuitive in how to learn it and play so that was mine all right so number eight on my list castlevania harmony of dissonance Mm. so the game boy advance was Maybe not the re- the resurgence of the Castlevania series because that started on the PlayStation with Symphony of the Night, but the Game Boy Advance took the Castlevania series up to the next level. Um, when I think of of the Game Boy Advance, I think of Castlevania. Um, Circle of the Moon was another amazing game that I haven't included on this list, but Harmony of Dissonance was the second game released, and it was just like perfect Metroidvania. Um, it was classic Belmont. You're playing as Justy Belmont. You have the Vampire Killer Whip. It was just, it was, uh, it was a title in the early days of the Game Boy Advance, so like 2002-ish. But it, it played just extremely tight. It was a, it was an awesome adventure, and I had a lot of fun with it. So that's, and it, and it just encapsulated that very cool Gothic style that Symphony of the Night made famous. So. I have very fond memories of this game. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I've ever encountered a list of top Game Boy Advance games that didn't include a Castlevania title in it, and it's for good reason. So next on my list... They're they're awesome. Yeah. So here we finally come to my F-Zero pick, and that would be F-Zero Climax. Now, this game was only released in Japan. However, I had really nice friends who had access to those games and he got me a copy and I played it and you can pretty much play it even if you don't have an understanding of Japanese but it's it's so fun because it's so much like the original F-Zero that I was just like I I, I couldn't put it down half the time and wasn't that uh, uh, wasn't that brought over as GP Legend uh, no GP Legend was its predecessor that was the that was the F Zero game that came before it, and it it was similar to it in in its playstyle, and I think that I don't know like the this this game was kind of the it was also the last F Zero game to be released I think I'm not sure if that's overall or just it was the last title released on the Game Boy Advance. But it there was after climax came out. There was a long period where we didn't we didn't hear anything about F Zero. Uh, I I think that's the last one because F Zero GX came in two thousand three, uh, GP Legend two thousand four, and since then just nothing. Yeah, climax came out in October of twenty two thousand four. So if uh, I think wait, did didn't GP Legend come out like early two thousand four? I want to say uh maybe. 
I, I can't recall off the top of my head. Uh, the, oh, yeah. The GP Legend was the last North American F-Zero game. Yeah, G- GP Legend came out in North America on September 20th of 2004. So that's that's probably why you also thought it was the same as Climax. Because they were released so close together, but one was only released in Japan. But yeah, that that was right, my F-Zero you. I'm going to give you one line. One line. Tell me if you can if you can guess what uh, number seven is for me. Okay. The mustard of your doom. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Not off that. Number seven. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Oh, that's why I didn't play that one. An incredible, incredible game that, uh, like, like the gameplay was fine. I actually don't like the gameplay as much as I do probably like Mario RPG or Paper Mario. But, man, this game was just so funny. It, it was it was so ridiculous and so over the top. Fawful was there, and he just was he was cracking me up with every single line of his on screen. I remember just like, just like shitting myself when I heard him say that mustard of doom line when he was bad mouthing uh, Mario and Luigi. <laughs> it's it just such a it's such a fun, ridiculous game. You know, it 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 makes me. It's just one of those games that makes me smile when I think about it. Um, a lot of the a lot of the the Mario and Luigi games since then have improved upon uh, the formula and are probably better Mario and Luigi games. But man, this one this one will always be my favorite. So number seven, Mario and Luigi. You know that makes sense. And I like my involvement with the Mario series was pretty much restricted to the originals and like the Super Mario World ones. Uh, Super Mario sixty four as well too. But I don't know. I I'm definitely gonna have to pick that one up because it sounds sounds like a game right up my alley with that kind of humor. It's it's great. Yeah. All right. I hope I didn't ruin the mustard line for you. Oh no! Like that'll be funny no matter when you hear it, even if you heard it before. I'm gonna say the next one for me is a very very treasured franchise for me, and it's it's kind of like got a cult underground following, but it's also pretty popular i would say harvest moon friends of mineral town now the harvest moon series for those of you who don't know is basically a farming simulator it's what predates all of those facebook farming games and the farming simulator series on on steam and it's it's very cartoony slash anime ish in its in its graphic style and you usually play as a as a as a kid or or a like a young, very young adult who's just entering adulthood who's usually left their farm by some family member usually it's the grandfather and you then basically just this you, is kind of what animal crossing was built on pretty yeah exactly and so you build up this farm and you try and make it as successful as you can and you form relationships with different villagers you can even date and marry eventually have kids in some iterations and i think in one or two of them you could actually eventually play as the kid i think that was in the the wii version of harvest moon but yeah so friends of minerva time was great because i had a portable version of it so that's a simple reason and it'll always stick there you go all right so number six to number one for me are all like the heavy hitters that i think when i think of the game boy advance i think of these of these games so number six metroid fusion good pick metroid fusion was just i you know I, I almost cried when this game and prime was announced and they came out on the same day and we hadn't had a metroid game in about eight years up until that point so uh, metroid fusion is just an incredible metroid game it's it's hamstrung a little bit by the narrative story that it's telling and that it kind of loses a traditional metroid feel of like go anywhere do anything but it makes up for that with a better story so it's it's just like you know what can you say about metroid fusion it's, it's a classic it's uh it's it's metroid at its finest so metroid fusion for me is number six would you say that that title had one of the biggest or best uh stories in the metroid series uh i would i would say so yes it has one of the most obvious stories in the metroid series if that makes sense so a lot of other games you had like in the prime games for example the story is really great, but you have to go out of your way to look for it and to find it and to scan all the different items. Um, 
Metroid Fusion just has like a really cool narrative to it um, throughout the whole thing. So I would say in terms of classic storytelling, Metroid Fusion is, is the best, yes. Makes sense. All right, number six for me, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Now, this is one of the ones that almost kind of sort of broke the caveat rule, but it doesn't. Uh, mostly because it takes everything that Final Fantasy Tactics did, puts it on a portable system, and gives you a new story. So it centers around four kids who are in this village, and they have to end up go going off and defeating the bad guy and figuring out what's going on in the world. And it takes everything that I loved about Final Fantasy Tactics and put it in a portable system. So just like uh, Harvest Moon, that's why that one's on my list. And you know what? I actually he was talking about this to me yesterday, and I was like, you know, this sounds pretty cool, and I just bought it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start to play that uh, probably imminently. Because I have not played that game, unfortunately, and it didn't make my list. I can't so. wait to hear your thoughts on it. Maybe we'll have a little Final Fantasy Tactics Champions cast uh, sideshow, and we'll just go over it a little bit. It might be fun. Until then. Now, I might get some flack for this, because I'm cheating for number five. But I don't care. Number five is Golden Sun and Golden Sun The Lost Age. Now, I've combined those two games, even though they're two separate games, into one. Because the stories literally take place back to back, so it it was kind of like saying that like it's kind of like when you combine Lord of the Rings into one movie, like they happen right after the other, so it's basically just one big story broken up. So, you know, bite me if you don't like it. <laughs> Golden Sun, Golden Sun is just it's such a it's a classic. It's a JRPG in every sense of the word. You know, people talk too much. There's a cool battle system. Everyone looks really cool. Lots of big special moves. Um, it's a it's a franchise I would love to see come back because it was, you know, it, it did very well for the Game Boy Advance. The original Golden Sun was one of the launch titles, and it was the first, you know, really standout game for the system. So um, I very like I, I enjoyed playing the games quite a bit. I think like looking back and playing them now, I I don't think I would enjoy them as much because it's a it's very dated the battle system, and there's a lot of things that you know haven't aged well but i i do remember just loving playing this game as a kid um so for that it is number five makes sense all right number five for me we've already said it before but advance wars and i don't have a lot more to add on why it's my favorite apart from the fact that i didn't care that the main character was named andy but <laughs> I would say Advance Wars was also kind of like the the predecessor or the kind of like the the idea behind some of the later uh, not Breath of Fire uh, Fire Emblem games in in terms of how they played out. So that one's that one's a favorite for me. Yeah, you can definitely see the similarities there for sure. Um. All right, so guess what? I'm combining two games again. Number four, Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green. Mm, nice titles. Now, this is obviously a remake of the original Pokemon Red and Blue games, but uh, it's, it's such an advanced remake where the graphics have been redone and there's a ton of additional extra content and extra Pokemon that you can grab at the end that I consider them to be new titles in the series. So, um, yeah, I would say... You know, once I once I got back into Pokemon and I had finished playing Emerald and I would finished playing um, Black and White, I picked up this game and I was like, "Oh man, this is awesome! This is like this is like the original Game Boy stuff, but like in modern and, and, and there's new Pokemon." And I was just I was overwhelmed. It was it was such a cool experience to me to relive that bit of childhood that I had because I remember being like eight years old or 10 years old or whatever it was playing on my original brick game boy, Pokemon red and Pokemon yellow. And to play this game, just it brought so much joy to me and it was so well done. And, you know, to see everything in vibrant color and then to, you know, to rebuild my Pokemon team that I had built up on my original game boy when I was a lad, it was, it was such a special such a special game. Yeah, it was definitely one of the best remakes ever made, I think. But, uh, and, you know, it's just uh, it's one of those ones, again, that's just absolutely timeless. I can still pick it up today, and it is awesome. Yeah. So, Pokemon. Good pick, good pick. 
Number four. And we got Venusaur on the cover, which is cool. That's true, because in Japan, the original blue version was, was green version. And we finally got... Venusaur finally gets some love, you know? So number four for me, I said it before, Castlevania makes every single person's top 15 or top anything list for Game Boy Advance. And I'm going to go with Castlevania Ario Sorrow. So... Most most reviewers, and I, I guess I'm a little bit biased in this, but most reviewers basically say it's the best Castlevania game since Lords of uh, not Lords of Shadow, um, uh, Symphony of the Night, and it, it's just great. It, it it takes everything that was done in the prior Castlevania games that were made for the Game Boy Advance, and it just it blows it out of the water. So definitely my favorite. Yep, definitely solid. Spoiler. I'm going to talk about Castlevania in just a second. Uh-oh. But before I do that, number three for me, and I'm not going to expand upon it, I'm simply just going to say the title of this game, and then we're going to move on, is The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap. Okay. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, I'm actually playing through it right now, so I have some fresh thoughts. But, uh, yeah. So number three for me would be Fire Emblem The Binding Blade. It's another title that was only released in Japan, but it was also my first Fire Emblem game, and my introduction to uh, Roy outside of Melee, and I can't say enough good things about the story. It was just really well done for a game that came out in the early 2000s, so I love I love Fire Emblem Binding Blade. I never got to play any of the Fire Emblem games on Game Boy Advance, unfortunately. A lot of them were only released in Japan. Well, they, they started to localize them around that time, but I I think that I didn't play them because I knew they were made by the same guys that made Advance Wars, and I was like, ah, that game sucks. <laughs> and since then, I, I never went back and I never picked them up, so those might have to be um, on my list. Makes sense. All right, we're down to the nitty-gritty now. Number two, Metroid Zero Mission. That's two this Metroid game, games. This is two Metroid games, and this is... I don't even want to say a remake, but it is a remake of the original Metroid with a plethora of extra content, obviously updated map system, weapon system, um, you name it. So this game is just, it's so, so good. And it's, uh, what can you say? It's like, it's classic Metroid. It's probably the closest game to Super Metroid that we'll probably ever get. And Everything you want from a Super Metroid S game is there. There's no hand-holding. There's no... You know, it, Fusion was great, but I appreciate the freedom that's found in uh, Zero Mission a little bit more. There's a ton of extra content to flesh out where Samus comes from, where she gets her suit from. It's just... Uh, it, it's probably... And I, I really debated putting it at number one. And, you know, if someone made a case for this to be the number one, I, I wouldn't argue, but it's like the definitive Game Boy Advance game for me, along with my next pick. Makes sense. Number two for me, also very definitive, and I'm cheating a little bit, just like you did. Phoenix Wright, the Ace Attorney series, all of them on the Game Boy Advance were phenomenal. And you play as a lawyer who is kind of caught in the crosshairs a lot with the situations he's put in, and he's called the turnabout attorney for a reason. He basically turns it around. Yep. Always put into the ground almost and always somehow manages to bring it back. But it's such a funny series, it's such a good series, and the stories are actually pretty well thought out and the characters are well developed and oh man, like I love this series so much and I don't regret a minute of my time spent playing them. Now I wanna throw this out there. If I so these games were released as Game Boy Advance games in Japan. That only Japan. So I count them as DS games because they later came to uh, uh, stateside as DS games. But if we're counting those as Game Boy Advance games, those would definitely be on my top 15 list somewhere in there. Hey, I'm counting them. Absolutely. They're great. Yeah. Um, But spoiler, if we ever do a top DS games list, you can expect to see those in mine too. And you know what? I'd probably cheat and just lump them all together as well. (laughs) All right. Number one. Castlevania, Aria of Sorrow. Nice. Like Taylor said, it is the definitive 
Game Boy Advance game. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Metroidvania uh, style games. And this game just took everything that it came before it from Symphony of the Night, from Harmony of Dissonance, from Circle of the Moon, all those games. It took the best aspects of each and it put its own unique spin on everything. Um, the Soul System is just such a great customizable system it gives tons of replay value to the game where you know you can go and collect all the different souls you can really you can really play through the game a bunch of different times and no time will be the same way because of the, the of the variety that the soul system offers you um it was set in the future which is very appropriate because i think that it really brought castlevania you know to the next level and into the future so um, that game is just, it, it'll always be what I think of when I think of Game Boy Advance is the Castlevania series. Um, and you know, like, like you said, no, no list of top Game Boy Advance games is complete without that Castlevania game. So that is my pick for the best Game Boy Advance game ever. Honestly, you can't go wrong with the Castlevania series when it comes to the Game Boy Advance. They're all just phenomenal games, and the stories of them are just as good as the gameplay. So, and so, like I said, like like you could, I could honestly make an argument for any game from Metroid Fusion down to be number one because they all have that that it factor for me that just makes them just stand out games. So for sure, number one for me. The finale, the greatest game ever for the Game Boy Advance, in my opinion, is the Minish Cap. Now, Minish Cap. Yeah. The, the now, I a lot of people I can I can think of are shaking their heads right now. Be like, well, it was an okay Zelda game. Why is it at the top of your list? And I think the char. It was so charming for me. And again, similar to Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, I played it at a time where I was in a really bad place. And it kind of, it brought me out of that. And it brought me to, it was reliable as a Zelda game. So what the Zelda series has always done for me is inspired me to be a better person and be, you know, a better a better me. And do things that I don't think I could could have done. And... Minish Cap did all of that and more, and it will always be one of my favorite Zelda games. I think I put it fourth in my best Zelda ever list, and it's just, there's there's so much about it. It's charming, it's witty, it's funny, and the gameplay, the gameplay was actually decent for me. I I, I know a lot of people knock it for that. the gameplay is awesome. Yeah. This... This game, and I'm I'm actually in the midst of playing Minish Cap right now, so I have a lot of like fresh intakes on it. Um, but this game is just, it, like you said, it's such a very charming world. Um, there's, I'm I'm doing a like a speed run through it, and I'm realizing how much content there is in this game by the amount of content that I'm skipping. The Kinstones I thought were just like a great little side quest. You know, you you felt like you got to to know the citizens of Hyrule by doing that. Um, it was very, it was just a very charming, well thought out game. It doesn't have a ton of dungeons, but the dungeons that are in the game, I think are quality dungeons. Um, I just finished the, the palace of droplets and you know, that's a, that's a great challenging dungeon. Um, and it's, and you know, it's, it's just, it does the little things I think very well. It has, it has exceptional music everywhere you go. It has the charm of those handheld Zelda games that's missing from its bigger 3D brothers. Um, the story is very cool, and there's a lot of cool characters in that game. It, it's just, to me, it is such an underrated Zelda game, and an underrated game in general. Um, you know, because when I when I was doing my research for this list, and you're looking at the best, you know, Game Boy Advance games. Everyone's like, well, I'll link to the past. I'll link to the past. I think that this game is better than a link to the past, in, in my honest opinion. I would agree with that. I think Minish Cap, one thing it does really well, for me at least, is it combines a lot of elements from a link to the past that I liked, and it also combines a lot of elements from one of my not so liked Zelda games, The Wind Waker. And 
it kind of sort of combines them a little bit together in a handheld game, which I didn't think that they could do. And I know some people feel like the, the execution was a little off, but I don't know. For me, it worked really well. And then, as you said, like I think it's one of the, f- the few Zelda games where, kind of like Majora's Mask, where you actually kind of get to know the people in the world. You know, it's not just like, oh, yeah, you go here, you talk to this person, they say, oh, Ganondorf's back and Death Mountain's blowing up. Go here and solve this. It's like these people have these stories and stuff, and especially the Kinstone system, like you, you feel like you're improving lives and you're and you're just you're growing together. And like there's a lot of different uh, callbacks to a lot of the Zelda series, too, like a lot of different characters from uh, like the Tingle Bros from Majora's Mask mm-hmm. show up in this game or or Malin and Talon are there, or the three oracles from the Oracle series are there. So it's just, it kind of pulls everything together, I think, in a really special way. Um, yeah, it's, so I, I hear, you know, a lot of Zelda fans, I think, just say that Minish Cap is very humdrum. And, you know, I you know I would say that, no, Minish Cap, it doesn't have the best dungeons. It doesn't have... It, it, I don't know if I would say it does the best anything, but man, everything that it does is really, really good. Yeah, it's, it does well in everything, but it's not. It's a master of none kind of deal. Jack of all trades. So, I, yeah, I have, I have no problem with uh, that being a number one on any Game Boy Advance list because it is, it's an exceptional game, and I, I think it stands right up there with the with the best 2D Zeldas. And it's a shame that it doesn't get more love. I really love the the relationship between Ezlo and and Link. It's an interesting relationship dynamic, and then I feel it's also another game where it kind of it shows the growth of two people. Like Ezlo is supposed to be this older, really wise wise dude who learns as much from Link as Link learns from him. Kind of like DK and uh, Cranky. <laughs> yes, that, that's if one you could wear Cranky on your head. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yeah. Alright, so there it is, our top Game Boy Advance games of all time. We want to know what you think. Would, where would you have ranked Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap? Would you have ranked The Legend of Zelda The Four of Swords on there? Um, did did requiring a bunch of other people to have Game Boy Advance and link cables and stuff impact that game's greatness? To me, probably yes. But we want to know what you think, so let us know. And that is the Champions Cast for this week. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us again. Um, be sure to give us a like and a subscription, maybe even a comment telling us what a good job we're doing over on iTunes there. You know, that would really make our day. If you have nothing nice to say about Taylor, at least say something nice about me. Right? Andy needs a little love from time to time. I need a little reaffirmation every now and then. We all do. And with that, everybody, we are out. Like I said, be sure to head over to iTunes and subscribe. Drop a like. You can listen to us on SoundCloud coming pretty soon. And you can listen to us on Podbean. So with for that, for Taylor, I'm Andy. And we are out. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.